AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. History is full of mysteries waiting to be solved. From Jack the Ripper's true identity to the Shroud of Turin, there are artifacts, events, and even people throughout time that defy explanation. For example, it was once believed that the Freemasons were tied to the Knights Templar, hiding clues to the location of an immense treasure in the symbols they built into their buildings. Many Ivy League schools are home to secret societies that help shape wealthy elites into titans of industry and world leaders. And then there are places, spots in the world that continue to inspire curiosity. Sites like Stonehenge and the Great Pyramid of Giza. And in the modern world, we might find such mystery in a place like Shugborough Hall. Located in Staffordshire, England, Shugborough Hall is a massive 400-year-old estate that was passed down from the British diocese to a man named William Anson in 1624. William's grandson had the original house demolished and erected a three-story mansion in its place, but it was his son, Thomas, that had the most profound effect on the home yet. Thomas had grand plans for Shugborough Hall. He added two new structures to either side of the main house, as well as a monument on the grounds. Well, he commissioned the monument, but like everything else, it was paid for by his younger brother, Admiral George Anson, the monument was designed and carved by Flemish sculptor Peter Schemakers and depicts a relief copy of a painting known as the Arcadian Shepherds by Nicolas Poussin. Beneath the relief, there is an inscription of several letters on the monument. O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V, which sits elevated between the letters D and M, and no one has any idea what they mean. However, that doesn't mean that people haven't tried figuring it out. Most assumptions tie the letters back to Latin, where each character represents a word in a phrase, like an acronym or initialism. For example, one theory suggests that it's a dedication to George Anson's late wife, each letter representing Latin words that translate loosely into best of wives, best of sisters, a most devoted widower dedicates this to your virtues. Others, though, disagree. A former NSA linguist thought the letters might mean, I pray that all may know the way of true life, a reference to a biblical verse in the book of John. One author in 2014 went a different route. Rather than a Latin phrase hiding within an inscription, Dave Ramsden interpreted the entire monument as a funerary dedication, letters and all. That meant the inscription wasn't an initialism, but a secret code intended for one person someone known as the Shepherdess. Using a complicated decryption cipher, Ramsden was able to decode the letters into the name 
Magdalene. And that's not the only religious association with the piece, either. A painter of the original work, Nicolas Poussin, was alleged to have been a member of the Priory of Sion, a secret society dedicated to preserving the truth about the Holy Grail, that it wasn't a cup at all, but rather Mary Magdalene's womb and the bloodline that descended from it. It was believed that Poussin had hidden numerous symbols and secret messages within his painting, which were then copied into the monument at Shugborough Hall. But the additional letters under the relief only added to the mystery. Despite the countless theories, translations, and interpretations, we may never know the meaning of those letters for one very important reason. While Peter Shemakers may have carved the monument himself, it turns out that the letters were actually added later by someone else entirely. And nobody knows who. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. In the musical Gypsy, a trio of performers tell young Gypsy Rose Lee that if she wants to be successful on stage, she needs a gimmick, something to make her unique and memorable in the eyes of the audience. A gimmick, they told her, would mean recognition, and that meant longevity and legacy. Harry Gardner had a gimmick as well. It didn't require special equipment or a fancy costume, though. He did it all over town, with onlookers often stopping to watch him perform, holding their hands over their mouths in terror. Harry, you see, liked to climb. He started doing it in 1905 and never stopped. 
Any building he saw became a potential place to show off, thanks in part to lax public performance laws at the time. The turn of the century saw the birth of the skyscraper, tall, majestic buildings that turned flat skylines into living EKG readouts, and big buildings meant big business. In order to drum up that business, companies needed ways to capture public attention. That's how Harry made a name for himself and earned much of his living, as a climber for hire. He started off with flagpoles and smaller structures before moving on to larger office buildings. In 1916, his small-town exploits took him all the way to Omaha, Nebraska, where more than 30,000 people watched from the street below as he climbed to the top of the Omaha World Herald building. He saw his talent as nothing more than a series of steps, a mechanical set of instructions he had to follow to ensure success. On the day of his climb in Omaha, he was quoted as saying, It seems all a part of a day's work to me. There's the wall with little projections, ledges, and places to which I must hold. And there's the top of the building, where I'm going to stop. However, while Harry didn't talk up his skills that much, word got around about what he could do, and other cities wanted in on the act. Months after his feat at the Omaha World Herald, the Detroit News hired him to scale their building as a marketing stunt for their ad department. The following year, he climbed up 16 stories to the top of the Empire Building in Birmingham, Alabama. His work took him all over North America and Europe, working his way up and down skyscrapers wearing only his street clothes. In West Virginia, he scaled the north wall of the Logan County Courthouse, where he hoisted the U.S. flag. In British Columbia, he climbed to the top of the 17-story World Building, where the Vancouver World newspaper was being published. Over a span of almost two decades, Harry Gardner managed to climb over 700 buildings. However, it wasn't until 1918 that he had an idea. World War I had just ended, and Harry wanted to celebrate the only way he knew how. There were only two problems. First, he had to choose which building he should climb, and second, he'd been operating without any kind of insurance policy in place. No company would back him given his line of work, he was too much of a risk, but if anything happened to him, his loved ones would be without the help they needed. So Harry formed a plan. On November 11th of 1918, he went into the Bank of Hamilton in Ontario, Canada, and purchased a $1,000 bond. While he was there, he also managed to secure for himself an insurance policy. And once he'd finished signing the papers, he left and continued on his way. All to great applause from the crowd. And no, he didn't take an audience with him inside the bank. They were still on the ground outside. And Harry? Well, he decided to take a less direct route to the bank's insurance offices. He climbed up the side of the building and poked in through one of the open windows, where an employee handed him a pen. It's no wonder that former President Grover Cleveland once referred to Harry by such an unusual nickname. The Human Fly. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.